Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This call is being recorded. You are listening to the SteelerFury.com podcast. I'm your host, Bradshaw to Ben, and I'm like, like, I'm like a gunslinging quarterback. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it, FC. That's who's with us. His name is FC. How are you, sir? Pretty good. I'm not feeling it, but <laughs> could be soon. You know, I'm the, I may be the only one on this bandwagon, but I'm going to ride it. I'm going to keep riding it. Keep riding it. Um, was there something that you didn't like about the game against Indianapolis? Just curious. No. I mean, uh, it was pretty much what I expected. I believe I said uh, I wouldn't be shocked to see starters get yanked from the game. So, How, I mean, can you even remember the last time Steelers pulled starters from the game? It's been a while. Been a while. Yeah, been a while. Um, you did say that. I give you credit for that, sir. <laughs> um, by the way, if you hear jackhammers in the background, um, it's just the Steelers – rebuilding their defense um it seems like they may actually begin to make some progress in that regard um i don't know it just feels like for whatever reason uh they they determined that that it was time to just uh release the hounds and the hounds appear to have been at least uh released somewhat over the course of the last couple weeks that's that can't help but be a good trend right correct i mean uh they're getting good play out of the defensive line. I mean, uh, they're getting production from the outside linebackers, which they have been been. And uh, the inside linebackers are making plays. So just, just the process has to continue. Um, I think that it's just so hard because if they still had Hayward, just, you know, the idea of having, you know, five to six defensive linemen that you can play and the idea of having, you know, four outside linebackers that you can play you can play in three inside linebackers. This gives you depth with all the uh, the substitutions. Now, Hayward's not there, and the rest of the players are. Um, if the Steelers can take care of business and make the playoffs, they could be a little bit more difficult to play. It's just uh, no second-wide receivers killing this team right now. It's, it's what's preventing the offense from being elite. And defensively, um, I think I'm more of an optimist than most Steeler fans. I just don't necessarily think it's going to all come together this year, but it could. Yeah, I sort of feel like I said, you know, since the beginning of the year, it felt like next year would be the sort of, uh, you know, maybe, I don't know about the peak year, but it feels like your your young players on defense are going to all kind of hit together in terms of their development next year. And in theory, and I realize it's only a theory at this point. Martavis Bryant comes back, um, and you still haven't lost Antonio Brown and uh, Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell, in terms of contracts, so it just feels like next year is the year where they might have all the whole band together, 
and not have to be dependent so much on rookies. Um, but that anything they got out of this year or even last year at the end of the year would be a real bonus. And it kind of feels like, I don't know, like I, the reason I feel like it's coming together, I've, I've outlined some of them before, but uh, they just seem to always um, play better down the stretch. Like they, they use the first part of the season as an often say for figuring their team out uh, and for trying to understand what's going on. And they, put that together in the second half of the season it seems to be kind of typical for them. I just have, I would have no surprises uh, in the team playing better on the stretch. And I look around the league and I see that certain teams that were playing pretty well at the beginning of the season um, are starting to take on that look of like they're, you know, they, they used up whatever magic they had going and they just don't look like the same team. Now they did it earlier in the season. I mean, are you going to argue with me? Does this team look better now from where we sit than it did in week three or four of the season? On paper, um, it looked better in week three or four of the season. By actual right, results, on paper, but I mean, in, in reality, in terms of I actually mean, playing you know, NFL football. In week three, we still had optimism that between Sammy Coates and Marcus Wheaton, you know, that we, somebody would come step up as that second wide receiver. And, you know, you saw Cam Hayward. You know, I, I can understand, you know, the, the optimist view, and I almost jumped on – you're back and said, you know what, I'll take on all this action with you. I don't think they're necessarily <laughs> going to win out. I definitely think they're going to make the playoffs. Um, you know, but <laughs> there's things that concern me. And, uh, I mean, there's good concerns, don't get me wrong. Um, but as you said, looking forward to next year just real quick and it being the peak year, you know, there's certain things that still have to be figured out. Like, what is the future of Sean Davis? Is he going to be a corner? Is he going to be a slot corner? Is he going to be a free safety? You know, what 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 is the future for him? You know, um, I understand injuries happen, and Senquan's golden is probably Golson is probably on his last strike with me. But I've watched a lot of SEC football, and I believe in his skills. I understand Willie Gay will be gone. Um, the, right now, the one thing I really want to do is I want to get Ross Cocker off the football field, and I don't see it happening. I am not a fan. I don't like what I've seen so far this year at all from Cockrell. And for me to be talking about Ross Cockrell being the biggest problem currently on defense, that tells you that things are actually going pretty well. Because <laughs> the first thing I generally am going to jump out at and say is, you know, you got to be able to stop the fucking run. I don't care that it's 2016. You still have to be able to stop the run in the NFL. You know, um, Ezekiel Elliott says hi. I understand that Prescott make, has made throws. I understand that Prescott is mobile. But, you know, Ezekiel Elliott and that offensive line is what makes that offense go the way it's going. It separates Dak Prescott from, you know, a lot of quality young quarterbacks. That's even the quarterbacks that are going this year. I mean, Jared Goff went up the Saints last week. I understand it's the Saints, but the Saints defense isn't that bad. You know, um, Marcus Mariota in his rookie year had moments of brilliance. I'm, I, I think Prescott's going to be for real, and I don't want to take this conversation the wrong way. What I'm saying is the Steelers defensively, I am not shocked. I mean, you know, uh, a lot of players hate Anthony Ciccolo, or a lot of fans hate Anthony Ciccolo. Anthony Ciccolo fresh for 15 to 25 snaps a game where he can show off, let's just call rare to super elite get off in 10 yard split. I mean, I, you're going to, I argue you're going to find 
very difficult to find somebody over 255 pounds that got, you know, a split under 155, a for real split. And, you know, there's times where Chicolo fresh coming off the edge is just unbelievable. And he his snaps have to be managed. I don't think James Harrison's really do, but they're going to because of his age. You know, and Jarvis Jones is decent on base downs. He's never shown that he can rush the passer. And then you got Bud Dupree, who's another wild card, who some plays looks like Lawrence Taylor and other plays like a piece of poop. So, <laughs> you know, I can – if things fall the right way, could the Steelers not lose another game this year? Yes. Do I think it's going to happen? Maybe. <laughs> Do I think this is a playoff team? I think they're going to win the division. But, you know, the state of the Steelers right now is probably – as much in flux as it's been in years, probably since early 2000s. I can't believe the amount of people that are ready just to cut bait with Tomlin, you know? Well, it's like a zombie disease. You know, if you see one of those zombie shows where, like, uh, you know, the one person gets infected and before you know it, it's World War Z. Um, yeah, I, I, no, no, no. And before anybody, I mean, I know very, very hardcore Steeler fans that are smart that when is that gone? And, you know, it's not the typical type, you know, BS, and it's not the people that are just silly and foolish and ignorant. You know, the, I can understand the, 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 why people, you know, want them fired, but, you know, what I, the reason I don't is some of the decisions that he makes, I completely agree with. And we've gone through them this this entire season on this podcast, you know, time management is never going to be a strong issue for him. Um, he sees the game different than the classic Pittsburgh Steeler way. And it's him. We, we can't make Mike Tomlin a Chuck Noll or Bill Cowher, you know, or anybody, you know, or a different coach. Mike Tomlin's Mike Tomlin. He won a fucking Super Bowl. You can say he won it with Cowher's players, but he won a Super Bowl. If he wins another, how many coaches in the history of the NFL have won multiple Super Bowls? Now, I'm sure there's a, quite a few, but not quite a few. Jimmy Johnson, mm-hmm. Chuck Knoll, Mike Shanahan, Joe Gibbs, you know, Tom Landry, Don Shula. But understand the level of coaches that we're naming, the Hall of Famers. You know, John Madden won one. Bill Cowher won one. Mar- you know, Marty Schottenheimer never won one. Marv Levy never won one. George Allen never won one. Yeah, some good coaches in there. Yeah. I mean, guys that changed the game. Sid Gilman. You know, these are guys that all of what you're watching today on the field, the Nick one dime defense is George Allen. You know, 46, those bear looks, which the Steelers show. You know, that's Buddy Ryan. He never won a Super Bowl as a head coach. Sid Gilman, you look at your passing game today in the NFL. Um, Paul Brown, you know. These are guys that everything that you're seeing today pretty much in the NFL is built around. And those guys never got it done. The grass isn't always greener, you know. So <laughs> It's greener when not, someone else tries to cut it. How, how about this? Can you imagine if we had Jeff Fisher as our head coach? Yeah, I, I raised that exact point uh, on the board yesterday. 13 years without making the playoffs. Hmm. 
four career playoff wins or five career playoff wins in 23 years of coaching. Hey, and he had Steve McNair for a while. It's not like he never had a quarterback either. Right, and that's uh, probably the only quarterback that's ever developed under him. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, listen, I, I want to talk to you about I want to talk to you about uh, this matchup with the Giants, and I'm sure we'll touch a little bit more on that, what happened. All out. The Colts okay. game was too long out up here. We're not even going to really cover that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but I, uh, I I did something uh, I don't do all the time, but I just I rewatched the last time the Steelers played against the Giants, mm-hmm. and I'll refresh your memory a little bit about that one. It was a, an infuriating game right up until the point that the Steelers won um, <laughs> with a lot of issues. But I want to. I want to take a couple of calls before I take you back in time awesome. because we have callers. It's a, it's, a, it's a phone call Thursday here on the podcast, and we're going to start with Barry Foster. Jinx is in the house. How are you, sir? Hey, guys. How you doing? Doing well, Actually, sir. How Slep are you? Sleprock would be hey. a good nickname for you, too, right around with Jinx. <laughs> uh, hey, did you hear the breaking news? What's the breaking news? Yeah, just, just about to Run tell you, out. but go ahead. You, you break it on the show. Yeah, Gronkowski is probably out for the season. That's a surgery shame. for a ruptured disc. They're saying at quote at least several weeks unquote. Yeah, I was Done. listening to NFL Network and they were saying um, eight weeks. The possibly the earliest would be the Super Bowl. God forbid they're in it. But uh, right. it doesn't sound like it doesn't sound like he's going to play. Again Did they this use year. the word disectomy by any chance? Did either one of you catch? I'm not right by a computer right now. If they use the word uh, disectomy. I did not hear that. Okay, that would be the removal of a disc. And um, I can tell you this now, done. Done. No, he would Not be forever, ever, 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 but done for a while. I haven't, I haven't heard that mentioned. Okay, but it's but, generally whenever you hear, you know, disc, I generally think offensive tackle, maybe guard or a center. It's generally not something that you hear with wide, or tight ends or wide receivers, and it's really going to be a problem. But this core, is a, like, all your strength comes from. If, if I can, I wanted to talk about three things real quick. The Colts game, Shazier, and what appears to be a lack of discipline on the team. Is that is that all right? Sounds like a plan to me, sir. Of course. Okay. The you Colts have the floor. Game, I, I, was, I, I listened to you guys early in the podcast. The Colts game did not impress me. Uh, I, it was one of those games, yeah, it said 28-7 when it was all over, but as I'm watching it, I'm thinking constantly that, we're so close to it being a one-score game. Mm-hmm. Not for a, a deep drop pass by, I think that was T.Y. Hilton, right, down the sideline? Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. And then, and, and now granted, granted the defense, they bent, but when it was two fourth-and-goal opportunities, yes, they stopped them, but either one of those times they get in, if, if Philip Dorsett doesn't drop that pass, and it was a tough pass to handle, but he could have caught it. We, we're talking a one-score game against Scott Tolson. And that just blows my mind. So, well, yes, let me, I was let me ask you. Let me ask you a question. I'll just I'll, I'll stop you because I, I understand where you're headed. Have you, did how much other NFL games you watch? How many other? I mean, because the reason I say this is because this is every game in the NFL. Every game in the NFL is even the blowouts are always on the verge of the other team coming back or one play away from it being a one-score game. That's every game. So. You know, and it's Scott Tolzien's of the world that populates at least half the NFL world in terms of the quality of his play. Now, granted, Indianapolis isn't that great, but it was a short week, and we we're playing on the road. Um, you know, to me, it's like they they maybe didn't play the sharpest game, but I thought actually the Steelers played a pretty pretty uh, 
tight effort both on defense and offense in this game. A lot of pressure on the quarterback, um, very efficient offense, good red zone defense. Uh, I, I'm not sure what you – I guess what I'm saying is I'm not really sure what the expectations are for this team, particularly, you know, they're, they're trying to build momentum into being a stretch run. They're not necessarily running the peak of the whole season. So I guess I'll, put, I'll throw it back to you, Barry. What do you – you know, what are you? What were your expectations for this team? I guess. Uh, for this team or for this game? Either. Ah, this, team, this team going um, forward. Coming, into, this the, game that we coming into the season, coming into the season, I was very optimistic that we did have a Super Bowl con- contending team. Like FC just said, uh, you can't replace a guy like Cameron Hayward. So that's a that's a devastating loss that you can't recover from. Tuitt seems to step up this game. Hargrave's playing a little bit better. But um, without Martavis, now Sammy Coates, if he doesn't, uh, you know, get back to being the, the deep ball threat that he was there for a couple of weeks. Now, granted, I know he has two broken fingers and that's an issue, but it just doesn't seem like they have the same, same chemistry. I am excited about Ladarius Green. At least now they have a guy, a, a quick uh, pass-catching tight end that can change uh, the situation, especially when he gets matched up on linebackers, it's a huge mismatch in favor of the Steelers. So I'm excited about that. But the Colts game, like I said, it was a, yeah, it was a 21 point game. The first two drives, I was pumped. I'm like, this is so awesome. This is going to help digest my turkey dinner. But then, <laughs> you know, the fake punt, and I, and again, it gets back to special teams. Doesn't what nobody on the field even contemplated the possibility? A desperate team that had to win down 14 nothing, and it looked like it was going to get worse. That blew my mind, that play. And I think it was Dangerfield. I can't remember who came over and almost knocked the ball down. I think it was Dangerfield. He just missed it. It would have been an incredible play, but it didn't happen. But, you know, and I don't want to go off on a tangent on special teams, but it just seems like our special teams every year can't get over the hump. It's always something. And, and I don't know, like, you know, if you're a coach in, in that situation, when the team goes out on the field, do you say – Hey guys, just be cognizant of the fact there could be a fake here. You know, just just put the idea in their heads because it certainly didn't look like they were playing fake. No, they were actually playing. They were playing coverage. That's why Dangerfield almost made a play. They had two yeah. safeties back and were basically playing cover too. Okay. So, so I so mean, maybe maybe, maybe quickly, you're. I'll quickly handle the cold thing. I think that maybe me and Barry Foster are actually a little bit on the same page. My expectations okay. of the Steelers for this game for the Colts. We'll just stick with that is um, I want a three-score lead before I start milking clock, being cute. When I say three-score lead, I want 17 points minimum. And then we can slow it off. I want the foot on the accelerator. I'm not looking to embarrass the team, but I'm looking to put the game out of reach to where I can dictate the pace completely on offense. And by doing so, that allows my defense to be able to pretty much understand, okay, they're going to have to throw the ball. If they try to grind us out with their run, they're going to be fighting not only our offense, but the clock. That's Ladarius Green allows the Steelers to pretty much attack the field at all three areas. You have the short passing game, the intermediate passing game, the vertical passing game. Antonio Brown lacks the size to be a huge threat in the vertical passing game with the fades, the fade stops, stuff like that. He'll never be Mike Evans. But he has quickness and the ability to run routes. Ladarius Greens allows him to attack the sidelines, the middle of the field. And Le'Veon Bell is a phenomenal receiver, but we're not running vertical wheeler outs with him. I don't know why. I would do it at times. 
but my expectations of the Steelers' offense is three score leads, 17 points. It allows my turkey dinner to digest. It takes pressure mostly off the defense to where they can do what they want to do, which is go after splash plays, stacks, fumbles, interceptions, kill the quarterback. Here's the thing. You just said it yourself a minute ago. The Steelers have like one quality wide receiver right now. They have a a running back who's their number two wide receiver, in effect. Correct. They have a slot guy who's his first year doing it. In the current situation, the fact that they – that they got even a two two touchdown lead early in the game, you know, I felt like they used at least utilized what they had pretty well. You forgot to mention one guy, and that's probably the guy that's never going to win one, but should have several at least be in consideration. That number seven guy isn't <laughs> too fucking bad. He's pretty you know? good. So, All right, well, but to, to Barry's point, though, as far Tom as Brady won championships with you know Troy Brown and Branch yeah. and you know. And I think Ben is in that same ballpark where we could win even with Antonio Brown and the rest of the guys. I, I can see that. Not having the talent and not even attempting to use the talent or not even attempting to go with a game plan where, you know what, points are good. Steelers fans, happy when points are good. I, you know, And at the end of the day, the Steelers are a business, and they got to keep the fan base happy. And I think the best way to keep the fan base happy is to, it, I think they could do more to win games and put it out of reach. And we're going to let this go back to Mr. Foster because he was a con caller. Sorry. <laughs> well, he was, no, you okay. know, he, the thing is, you know, we're just, we're all a little gun shy. You know, I, I think that's what I, trying to judge last week's game objectively rather than see it as a one in a series of, of many gun events. Shy. A good way to you know. talk about Todd Haley's offensive philosophy at this point. <laughs> gun shy. It's true. Um, wait do you if you get a chance this week to go back and review the 2012 game against the Giants you want to see Gunshy <laughs> yeah, like he, he's he's come a long way since 2012 let's put it that way our whole offense has but Barry Foster just quickly before we move on to Shazir because I promised you uh, that, that that would be cool um, the expectations at the beginning of the season you know look around the, look around the league man you know like every team basically is flawed the, the one that's the looks the least flawed right now has a defense that we pretty much ripped to shreds and a rookie quarterback who at some point or another before the season's over is probably going to face something that he hasn't seen before. And a, a team might slow down their running game, but, you know, at any time could, could reach that point. And, and we basically without our, any kind of uh, wide receiver population and without Cameron Hayward healthy for almost the entire game against them. We went toe-to-toe with them. So so to me, it's like right now, New, you know, New England has Gronkowski out today. Brady is actually kind of hobbled with his knee for real, even though it looked like oh, a phantom thing on injury report. Uh, Oakland is another team with, the, you know, some very suspect holes in the quarterback who will make some silly mistakes at times. Uh, and they're coached by Oakland and beat the fuck out of them in the playoffs. So continue. That's, <laughs> I have absolutely no doubts about you know, What's we that? we rolled we well, rolled that, Kansas. That City. if Pittsburgh faces Oakland in the playoffs, somehow if we win a wild card and we have to go to Oakland week one of the playoffs, the Steelers will beat them by multiple scores, multiple wow. scores, wow. multiple scores. Wow. I don't go out on the limb with a lot of crazy shit. 
multiple scores. David Carr will pull him. I seen him come back from the two broken fingers. James Harrison will absolutely dominate Donald Pennant. Left tackle, it's a horrible matchup for the Raiders, and James Harrison will show zero, zero mercy. He will take David Carr's soul. Well, I, I, I hope promise. we get to that point. Oh, so I, I hope that's the AFC Championship game, but that's we'll get to that. Yeah. I think I yeah, like okay. certain things about Oakland. If they attempt to play a, think of it this way: Oakland loves to play Bruce Irvin in man coverage, in on first and second downs against running backs in coverage. It will be the worst. I like Bruce Irvin. I watched him play at West Virginia. I liked him at Seattle. I like him from the Raiders. There's certain things he can't do, and playing in reverse is one of those things. It will be well. A well on the flip, on the flip side, they have Cleo yes, Mack, sir. and last time I checked, he's dominating, and that's a he's scary. Very good, up. but the last time I remember, he plays left. He rushes from left defensive end and left outside linebacker, and that kid from Florida. Whenever those lights get bright, Marcus Gilbert did a pretty good job against Mar- Marcus Gilbert in the AFC Championship game, to the point that Von Miller called him the best offensive lineman he's faced in his pro career. Yeah. And see, that's what a lot of us Steelers fans overlook. The Steelers have a lot of gamers. Ben Roethlisberger is a gamer. Marcus Gilbert can look ugly at times, but he's a gamer. I hate to say this because it makes me feel like I'm completely wrong. B2B was right, and I don't like being wrong. Ramon Foster is more than a gamer. I think he might have quickly become my Steelers' favorite offensive, favorite player, period. Maybe even in front of James Harrison. I like James Harrison's I don't give a fuck attitude. What I really like about Ramon Foster is you're not going to badmouth a single player on this team. He's at, he's, he'll be at your throat. And I like a band of brothers type of mentality. I like that the media is coming out against Ben. I like the media is coming out against Tomlin. I like that. I, there's nothing that will pull together a team more. It's really the truth. Is for them to have a common goal, and the common goal might be to prove everybody wrong, and that would be great with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they just they seem to play better when their backs against the wall. I know it sounds pre- like 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 pom pom bull, bull crap. It's really, I really believe it. I mean. And the player, and the, one of the reasons I don't want to fire Tomlin is the players, especially the young players, seem to buy in. They love the guy, and that's a big part of coaching. It's getting, it's easy to perform for a guy that you like. You know, there's two things that are going to drive these guys: getting paid and playing for the guy beside you, and playing for the organization. The steal every player seems to have great things to say about the Roonies, and they all seem to love. Tomlin. I can't think of a single ex-player even that has had something negative to say about Mike Tomlin from Alan Fanica to Ryan Clark to guys that have left. Ike Taylor. I mean, I understand Ike Taylor still you know, in this. Bruce, Bruce, Ar- Bruce Arians is pretty much the only guy in America. Yeah, and, and I think that Bruce Arians has a, a fair point because I think that Bruce Arians expected Mike Tomlin to fight for him, and Mike Tomlin didn't fight for him. And that's something I'll kind of hold against Mike Tomlin. No, I won't because I wanted Bruce Arians fired. Okay, okay so, so listen, Mr. <laughs> So, so listen, Mr. Palm Palms, uh, put your palm palms away because we're about to talk about Ryan Shazier. Go ahead. Uh oh. Okay, so I know this has been a sticking point on Fury for a long time. I've sure. liked this guy since I've liked this guy since day one. We all know his nicknames on Fury. I won't mention them. The only one I can mention is Tub e. Monster. I think. I, what's that? Et was one. Et. I have no problems admitting it, and I stand by everything I've said. He's phenomenal against the pass. 
and against the run? He's horrible. If you put a blocker on him, he's not in the top 5% of starters in the NFL. Well, that's the whole thing. If he gets engaged with a guard coming – yeah, that's a problem. Tight end. Yeah, but but when he has a free shot, more than likely he's going to make that tackle. He'll make oh he'll make splash plays. He if you give him area to run, he's a predator. If he, if he can come free and you give him a chase roll, predator. He'll seek and destroy. I just but, you know the only the, the main the, the main knock on Shazier obviously is staying healthy. If he can, last time I checked, he's one of the. I mean, I, I would say Hayward's our best defensive player, and then right after him, it's a top toss up to me. Between Timmons and, and don't laugh, I love Timmons. Timmons and Shazier, and you know he's wow. become a, in my mind. Are you familiar with number leader. ninety-two who plays for the Pittsburgh Steelers? Ninety-two. <laughs> yeah, I know, but he's yeah, as I wide know. as tall. Yeah, I follow him on Facebook. I look at all. I follow all his workouts. Yeah, he's amazing. But he Actually, I'm gonna. I have just by the way, uh, I have your number, uh, your phone number. I'm gonna pass it on to James Harrison and tell him what you said about him. On the show, he does things at 38 that he, I can't just I can't just explain how great James Harrison is. Still, he oh wow! I think he's playing better now than he was four years ago. In a, a lot of ways, he is. Wow, he I would I honestly believe this, and this is going to be sacrilege, and a lot of old like. Established your fans, he should be mentioned in the same breath as Andy Russell, Jack Lambert, Jack Ham, James Harrison. He fits. He fits more than James Ferrier does. He's the best Steelers defender overall that we've had in a long time. He really is. Underappreciated, even by our fan base. And I'm not even I'm not throwing you under the bus, Barry, uh, Barry Foster there. No, um, I love Harrison. I understand no, I understand I we have fans and we there's guys that we like, oh my god, he's great. He really is. Okay, and but- I think they're trying to protect him a little bit for the playoffs. I think that, that Mike Tomlin looked at this division, and I still think that he views it that the worst he's going to do is a three seed. Because I think he feels that they're going to finish with a better record in the AFC South, and I think that he believes that they're going to win out, he should, and they're going to beat Baltimore. I, I, and I think that he's concerned about what happened to him last year in the playoffs, being on his third and fourth running back and stuff like that. I understand we're using the hell out of belt, but I'll let you talk about Ryan Shazier. Since I'm one of the negative people, I will say this. Ryan Jazeer, when he gets to play in space and run free, is phenomenal. The one thing that Ryan Jazeer has to do to bring me completely around is he has to improve in pass coverage. And the only way he's going to improve in pass coverage is reps. And I would get together with quarterbacks and say, hey, what do you see? You know, how are you trying to influence me? So he can learn some of the tricks of the trade. If he becomes a great in pass coverage, I mean, great in pass coverage, I think that he'll be your new era type of nickel-dime linebacker that you sneak in on base formations. The game's going 65% passing. It's the 35% of the time where teams run that. You know, I still have fear of, you know, Ryan Chazier on a third down and two having to fill the hole to make the play. And he's done it in the past. He forces fumbles. Whenever he's another one of those gamers, when the lights get bright, he showed me last year in the Cincinnati Bengals game that he wants to be a star. I'm not going. He is a star, period. And well, they get my, that my out counsel, of me is a lot. He's a star. Hey, yeah, guys, hey, real quick, I, I, I'm sorry, I have to run, but the one last thing, uh, my, my, I'm 
getting ready to pick up my kids at school, so I got to run. I understand. But, um, but the last thing I wanted to talk about was Antonio Brown's celebration. And I think I, I, it's either his second or third. Um, third, penalty. I think. All right, third. So now here's what I don't get. Um, yeah, he's a superstar. To me, he is one of those diva players. Uh, I think I think he, yes, he, he loves the Steelers. He wants to do well. But unlike a lot of players on the Steelers, I really think he does look at his own personal stats too much. And with that said, it infuriates me. Again, it infuriates me when these guys – now, it, the discussion was made on Fury that, you know, Tomlin and actually Roethlisberger talked about it briefly in the press. Tomlin had talked to Antonio Brown about it. Maybe, maybe this is unrealistic. I don't care if you're a star or not. If I have to tell you multiple times, don't knock that shit off, I'm going to sit your ass down on the bench. If it's for a series – if it's for a quarter, whatever it has to be, so you say to yourself, huh, if I do that again, I'm going to get in trouble. There has to be some sort of consequence. And I don't – and, again, this gets back to we don't know what goes on in a locker room. We don't know what goes on behind the scenes. I get that. I'm purely speculating. But it infuriates me as a fan to give up 15 yards like that. And Todman, I think they, after that kickoff, they got the ball on our, like, say, 45 or 40. I forget where it was. But I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And all because of that penalty. Yeah, just, probably it, led to the know. fake punt, too, because you probably don't even try that fake punt if you're your own 30. I completely um, agree with you. And, I'll, and to come up with a very quick uh, resolution, I believe I made two weeks ago there, Mr. Foster, do all your celebrating on the sideline with your with your brothers, with your partners. You can have coordinated dances. You can do whatever you want. Just do it on the, on the sideline. Don't do it in the end zone. Again, it gets back to the he knows. On your sideline. He knows the camera's on him. And he Absolutely. plays up the camera. And, but, but, I mean, at this point in his career, everyone knows he's a superstar. He knows he's a superstar. Just every once in a while, just flip the ball to the referee and walk off the field. It's no big deal. You're going to do it multiple times. It's just, I, I just don't get it. And, and, and I am not a Tomlin fan, and we don't have time. To, I don't want to get into that. Sure. But for me, for me personally, it upsets me because it, it reinforces my perception that discipline is loose on that team. And, again, I don't know what goes on behind the scenes. I don't know what Tomlin said to him face-to-face in the locker room. But it's just it, – for it to continue on, if it happens again, it's beyond – it would be beyond ridiculous at this point, right? Can you imagine him getting another uh, yeah. celebration? <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I can, to be honest I, with you. I'm I can sorry imagine too, I, I was at your point like two or three weeks ago. I, I'm, I'm – Will, will Mr. B2B will tell you I'm the biggest Antonio Brown fan you'll ever meet. But I'm at my – yeah, I could see it happening again. I have a problem with the last one, but I would tell Tom – if I was Tomlin, I'd say, guys, just come to the sidelines and do it basically whatever you want. Otherwise, if you get me 15, I'm a, the only way you can really mess with a player is fine him. I mean, because if you, if you take him out of the game for a quarter – you're not only hurting Barry Foster, you're hurting Ben Roethlisberger, you're hurting the fan base, you're hurting the team. So you got well, to try to figure you you try to figure a way to punish him where you don't punish the team. And that's, I think the maximum you can find a guy is fifteen thousand dollars. So you take fifteen grand from him, put it. And, and the uh, NFL is taking money from them too. But uh, yeah, okay, I'll let you go. I'll let you go get your kids. Uh, but I uh, and I appreciate the call actually, and thank you for thank you for calling. Call. All right, guys, see you. Okay, take, take, take care. Bye. I, th- I think you're walking a very fine line, not 
just with how you handle your superstars whenever they misbehave and cost the team. But also, there's you know the um, among the many buttons that any head coach has to press, and especially this one because of how the team is comprised. You just said you got a bunch of gamers. You got guys that really play on the edge of emotion all the time, and when those guys on offense are having fun and they're doing their thing. Uh, it seems to click and go well together. I remember earlier this year, I think, you know, during one of the phases where the Steelers weren't, they were playing it more close to the vest on offense, and they, they you know, they were kind of struggling uh, in games like the Miami and Baltimore, that Antonio Brown appeared visibly pout, like he was pouting. You know, I he thought was, the same thing. He, wasn't, he, he didn't seem to be emotionally into the game. Nope. I think that another thing we both have done some refereeing. I think that the flag shouldn't have been thrown on. I think the flag should have been thrown. They had a coordinated dance. I don't think the flag should have been thrown on Antonio Brown. I think the flag should have been thrown on Le'Veon Bell because Le'Veon Bell is the one that came over, spun him, and you know. Yeah. Sometimes you you got to help. I mean, Antonio Brown this scored, so that's going to be his huge feeling. Le'Veon Bell can be excited. He's not as excited as Antonio Brown. So you got to try to help your 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 teammate, your brother out, and just be like, hey, no, nothing coordinated. Yeah, I mean, all, but all I was going to say is though, you got you have to carefully that. you have to carefully try to make it make your team. You know, you want those offensive superstars to be excited and into it emotionally. Uh, so you don't want to like tie them down so hard that they can't uh, do what they need to do. And I, you know, I mean, I, but at the same time, you can't, you can't let that kind of undisciplined behavior hurt your team. I mean, it's, I, I just mean, it's a, it's a really a time and a time and a place to like lay into guys for stuff like that. And a time and a place to, to have, uh, give them uh, just an, you know, an, a look that they understand what the look means. There's a time to find them and there's a time to sit them down. And I mean, that's, that's a hard series of choices to make. It's not always as simple as it seems from the 50,000 right. feet. Right. The NFL's losing viewers. They're just purging viewers, supposedly. I don't believe it. I think a lot of people are watching shit on stolen computer feeds, but that's a different story. The NFL needs to who would, who would ever do that? come, come around. You know what I mean? What Terrell Owens did with the Sharpie, not good. You know, what Icky, the Icky Shuffle, fine. You know what I mean? They're, they, I don't want players bringing, like, candy bars or fucking Sharpie pens onto the field. But if you're just sitting there celebrating with your teammates and you're not making gun or gang signs, if you're not, you know, doing something that's lewd, I got as much problem with Antonio Brown's little shimmy as I do with Michael Bennett's shimmy. I can't see the difference between the two. I'm just maybe fat, old, and white and don't understand the new dance moves from these kids. But the thrusting... Get off my lawn! Like you're pumping away, you know? (laughs) Get off my lawn! Right. I don't see much of a difference. All right, well, listen, speaking of uh, really big fans of the coach uh, we have with us all the way from Toronto, from Toronto uh, in that country up north where uh, they have Justin Trudeau, who's uh, disappointing some of his supporters recently, uh, but we'll let that go. Greek Steel is with us. How are you, Greek? What Barry Foster just said, I agree with all of it. <laughs> right on, man. Thanks for that. Thanks for calling the show. Okay, FC. So we'll be right along. <laughs> nah, just, just kidding, man. No worries. Um, no, I mean, so FC. I agree you with about? a lot of things. I mean, I agree with the majority of what he said. I mean, you're just not going to completely agree with. 
So who do we want to hire as our coach? If we're going to fire Mike fucking Tomlin, who are we hiring? I'm I'm a fan of the sport. Oh, I hear you. I'm not saying I have total confidence they'd hire the right guy either because of the head guy that's running the show over there. I see. I just if 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 there was like a huge list of coaches and waiting, I'd be like, all right, can his ass. But it's just like you know what? My wife might be a seven. But she cooks like a ten, and she's willing to cut the fucking grass. That makes her a ten for me, baby. <laughs> you know what I mean? I hear you. And she gives you shed time. You know, if she gives you shed time, that counts for a lot. Exactly. Exactly. And she allows me to have our constructive meetings out back. So. Right. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, I'm just not going to complain. And if there was. You know, I just don't see a lot of great candidates out there. Just for, you know, you're like getting to throw off Patricia from New England. And but Greek, if they fight, really no, none of the New England guys have done shit when they left right. there. No, no. Uh, hey, but, I'm not saying our, the, the the replacement that I would have in mind is even in the NFL right now. Right. Okay. But you know that replacement. Football. But if they fire him, though, you know the first guy that's going to get the job is Todd Haley. Let's yeah, face I know. It. Oh my God! I just had fucking palpitations. Maybe Munchak. <laughs> You think they'd give it to? Munchak? I would deal with Munchak a lot more than I could with Haley. That yeah. would give me at least wouldn't give me the palpitations. Anyways, listen, I, I I understand as well. It's unrealistic that we're talking about replacements. He's not getting fired. It's just what we got to hope for is maybe Todd Haley gets promoted or like gets a head coaching job, and maybe Randy Fitchner at some point because Fitchner seems to like everyone seems to like him, and for some reason I look at him and I see a crazy little bastard. And I like crazy little bastards as my offensive coordinators. I just it always seems to work. Yeah, they have yeah, to be like a, those college basketball scorers with you know come off the bench, no conscience. You know, that's right. what you want. In your Maybe you guys can answer this. Who who's the best coaching hire that Tomlin's ever made? That's another aspect that's not brought oh, up with. Him. I, I see now. I think that he's made some decent hires. Uh, now these guys that haven't necessarily gone on to have really. Sometimes the best hire you make is just maybe sometimes keeping someone around. Richard Mann, how about that? For our wide receivers coach, I think it's pretty good. He hired, also hired Scotty Montgomery, who's now the head coach at East Carolina. He wasn't well, he, bad. He, he was had, another wide receivers coach. He yeah. hired this guy, uh, Mike Munchak. I don't know if you heard of him. Yeah, he's doing these, I'm not, and I'm not being a wise-ass either. He's And keeping, you know, around, like, James Daniel, seems he, Heath Miller just, just said, like, how much I'll, gra- I'll grant you B2B, the Mike Munchak one, but don't you think that one's like the Pittsburgh area guy coming home? Do you really think no, that's, that's, you that's think Todd that's Haley? You just yeah, described Todd, Todd Haley. Haley. It's just as much Munchak, though, isn't it? Somewhat. He went to Penn State, but he was, I don't think he's actually from Pittsburgh. But yeah, he, oh, he, there was this, okay. he went to Penn State, and there was, it was a good fit. It was. Um, yeah, it was for a guy, that, for a guy LeBeau, but he's a Hall of Famer, you know. For a, guy, Lake- for a guy that would have, the guy that you know was a head coach coming straight from being a head coach, though, you know, you don't just take a job working for anybody, you know. I, I feel like that was. Uh, I'll grant probably, you that. Uh, he, he probably viewed the situation pretty more favorably than you do. But um, did either, either of you guys see the close-up of Munchak during the game while uh, Steelers were on offense? And it was like he was listening to what was being said on the headset, and he was like just shaking his head, like what? Shaking his head in disgust, like what the fuck are you doing? Inside zone again? You trying to get my, my you trying to get me fired, Todd? They got pump block out there. We ain't gonna block them. 
That's where we needed, uh, remember Buddy Ryan trying to punch out Kevin Gilbride? (laughs) Yes, I do. One of the greatest (laughs) moments in football. (laughs) Yep. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I'll just let that go. Yeah, we should we should add Buddy Ryan, I think, to our list of uh, sponsors for the uh, our elite Buddy uh, Ryan. Yeah. I'm actually yeah, a most fan of it. If anybody wants to see good. something hilarious, go put in Buddy Ryan New York Jets and go to Google Images. You won't believe it. He was like shirt and tie and hut hut hut. That shit changed. Fuck <laughs> you, Dick. I run the defense. Get your ass over there on the offensive meetings. He literally would say it like four or five times. Can you imagine, like, like Mike Dicka, all tough, but Buddy Ryan, fuck you, Dicka. Get out of my defense <laughs> meeting. Go there with your off. I was going to like, wow. <laughs> True enough. Uh, well, he's, there's another guy that his players love playing for him, that's for sure. Sure. Uh, that's quite a detour, though, Greek. Sorry, we, uh, we preempted your time. Um, you have as much as you need. We are not talking about the Colts, so we'll... All right, okay. here's, here's, I, got one for, I, I got one for you, Greek. How many teams in the NFL are going to make it to 12 wins in 2016, in, excluding the, the postseason? So regular season, 12 wins, how many NFL teams are going to make it? I figure the Cowboys are going to be one. Cowboys are Oakland. one. Although the Cowboys are not. Cowboys, I don't see. I would make the position. No one's a lock. Cowboys are in pretty. They're in good shape to win two more games. But I, I the five. What happens out of the AFC West? So you're a sneaky little bastard because Denver, uh, Denver, (laughs) Kansas City, and Oakland still play each other a bunch of times. And if they split, that might be eleven. You're not going to get, or you might get to eleven. Definitely not twelve. I don't know. Maybe one. The Patriots. The Patriots just lost. You know, pretty key player for them. And like I said, I know the Jets always play them kind of tough, but I watched the entirety of the Patriots game. I actually watched, believe it or not, this might be the first time I've done this in about two years. I watched every game from last weekend. Uh, and uh, the Patriots game, you know, Jets always play them a little bit tough, but the Jets aren't so good right now. And they still, Patriots really struggle until late in that game. Um, and Brady, you know. about a team that has problems with receivers. Julian Edelman looks like he's playing with a broken foot to me. Because he's good yeah. for the first quarter, and then he's done. That's known as needle is wearing off. Didn't, didn't he injure? He had a foot injury in the beginning, in the preseason or something, didn't he? Yeah, it's still it's still lingering. I think it might be a Liz Frank that he's playing through. I'm not questioning how tough he is. But, yeah, still the same injury. Yeah, I just mean it, you know, it could be, it just it could be one of those years where you get to 11 wins and see, see where you're at. You're going to be in pretty good shape. Um. So not that not that that's the easiest thing to do, but you know I was I was really worried about the Buffalo game until I watched them this week. They were um, they seem to have regressed back to being Buffalo uh, again. And uh, I can't tell you either team, even give you a wild ass guess of either team that's going to represent the the NFL in the Super Bowl. Anyone that can tell you for a fact who's 100 percent from the AFC or 100 percent from the NFC. I'd be willing to probably try to take a bet with him and make, you know, well, they have, oh, I guarantee you Dallas is going to make it out of the NFC. I'd say, all right. You know, I, you know, know, about? I'll take the field. You can have Dallas. I'll take the field. 20 bucks. I could see you know? Seattle knocking them off in the NFC sure. championship game. I could did, see you see Seattle this, did you see Seattle this week? And I know, I know someone predicted it on the show last week, but did you see what Seattle did against Tampa Bay? Because they, they, they got crushed. Yeah. They did. Uh, so, Mike I mean, Evans, I just, uh, died. Did you notice Richard Sherman really didn't have much to say this week? 
I mean, what's up, Sherm? <laughs> I mean, five minutes in that game, Mike Evans hung two embarrassing touchdowns on him. Yeah. All right, so, Greg, all I'm saying is keep the faith because, you know, it ain't over till – the season is not over till it's over. And uh, I used to say uh, in the basketball games – when the one team was on a run and the other team was, you know, on a, you know, a bad run or something, that you can't judge the state, the status of the game during the run. You have to wait and see when the run is over, and then you, then you see where you're at. I, I kind of yeah, feel like still got the faith. It's just we keep running into these. We got to run the last six games or something. Like that's getting really old and tired to me. But what are you going to do? Sure. I'm well, welcome you know. to being a Steeler fan. You know exactly. what I mean? I, I know. It's ugly. I mean, and it, you know what? You're not really black. That, that, because that's a, the that's Maple Leafs, still, have you seen them play live this year? If you haven't, try to go see them play in Toronto. I understand tickets are absorbent and shit like that, and sometimes they're hard to get. Dude, that team looks so phenomenal to watch when they're on, on TV. They're, they look even more phenomenal than, than the Penguins. And I hate to say that. For which that, team? Toronto Maple Leafs. Oh, yeah. They got some nice youngsters going there. That's, oh, my uh, God. They're phenomenal. They're so fun to watch whenever shit's going right. Yeah. They really are. And Frederick Anderson is horrible in that. So they have to go out and score six or seven. It's like watching like the old school Penguins. It's phenomenal. <laughs> he's actually been on. I think, gonna, I think, that, I think Toronto, that I bet you that streak ends in two years. They're going to win a cup in the next two or three years. They're going to find a goalie. Oh, Nylander, Matthews, Kadri, Marson. They're just phenomenal. They're going to be a great team, and you deserve it. I agree. Fuck Montreal. <laughs> I agree again. <laughs> Look, Greg, just, you know, it's a, try to enjoy the ride because, you know, it's, every year could be the year, and you just don't want to be that guy that, like, tuned out because you got pissed off in no. week three and missed – a legendary season, you know, it's like every I season has way. the next time there's like a really, really bad loss. You may like tune into the podcast and you may find out that I'm dead. He stroked out during the Steeler game. <laughs> he threw his shit at the TV. He tried to pick up the couch, had a stroke and he's dead. Mike Tomlin won FC lost. We, we do offer therapy here on the show every week. So you're always, <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right, man, we're going to go, we're going to move on, move along, but you're welcome to hang with us. All right, boys. Keep up the great work. Thank you. Hey, uh, Thank you. Always a pleasure, Greg. Um, so I go to see Toronto. Just... I am meeting Blue Green. I, he still listens. Phenomenal, Sam. And I'm gonna meet. I'm gonna make it a point to meet up with Greek Steel, Chris Manos. Phenomenal, phenomenal young men. Phenomenal, phenomenal. <laughs> I think you've turned phenomenal. into phenomenal. It's gonna be great. <laughs> Have you ever heard? Uh, it's the guy that does Madden. Uh, Shoot, the the the, the mimic the, yeah, guy, the that, guy that's like Rich Little from back in the day does impressions. Yeah. yeah anyway, uh, right. you ever hear him do uh, Jim Rome? Yes. There's a, there's a there's a clip on him. He's on one of the uh, radio shows. I think it's Dan Patrick, and he's doing you know all, all the sports figures, just like phenomenal, phenomenal. Uh, anyway, hippie lettuce. He's pretty, I hate fucking Jim Rome. <laughs> Well, listen, let's talk about your New York Giants for a second. We'll um, talk about your New York you know, Giants. Why you tittle, well, baby? I, I, you know, here's what I'd say about the Giants. Um, you know, I, I, it's hard for me to really root against the Giants. I feel like that's our sister organization, sort of. I feel the same way about Green Bay. 
we're, you know, as the Steelers, Giants, Packers are kind of in the very, very small fraternity of, of, uh, you know, classy old school teams, um, who have some kind of tradition worth celebrating. But, uh, you know, the Giants this year, I, 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 they just, I, I, maybe I'm crazy. They really look like a smoke and mirrors team. They don't look like a team that has destiny on their side. But they they seem to have a knack right now of uh, finding a way to win against teams they should beat. Um, is this week, you know, one of those weeks? That's a question. Um, Giants don't appear to have that much of a run game going. Uh, almost nothing. They have some pass protection issues that are pretty serious. Uh, they, uh, you know, I mean, they have a quality quarterback who's won a couple Super Bowls and is certainly capable. But he isn't the toughest guy, and he's a guy that will make some mistakes over the course of his career. He's pretty much shown that. Um, you know, I'll get to the numbers in a second, but he, you know, even compared to, we think of Ben as a guy that will make some mistakes in WTF throws, but, you know, Eli Manning is a poster child for that. Uh, on defense, they don't seem to be uh, solid at stopping the run. They have some secondary issues. they got a couple, much like the Steelers do, a couple of cast-offs uh, in the secondary you know what? What? Why? How can the Giants be three games better than the Steelers so far in 2016? This is going to shock you. I have watched a ton of Giants games this year because I they actually have some players on their team that I liked, and then they had some players on their team that I hated. So I wanted to see how they developed, and for some reason, I'll catch them a lot, like on the NFL game of the like NFL replay where it's an hour and a half condensed version of the game or an hour condensed version of the game. Well, their receivers are very good. Odell Beckham Jr. is a very good player. Um, Sterling Shepard is excellent and he's not doesn't get near the publicity that, you know, a lot of other players do. You, you know, he he's definitely plays Robin to Odell Beckham's Batman. Uh, third receiver, Victor Cruz. He's had injury problems the last three years. He's not 100% healthy, but he still can make plays. He's still athletic. Um, defensively, um, that's a little where it's a little bit of smoke and mirrors, but for the first half of the season, I would argue the defensive MVP of the NFL was Landon Collins during strong safety for the Giants. At the time, he was the only NFL player that was leading his team in interceptions, tackles, and I believe sacks. But yeah, I think he had all three going. Yep. Yep. He was overtaken by Lobster Claw Jason Pierre-Paul, um, who has turned it around. He started having a lot of success against some right tackles in the NFL. They went out. They overspent for uh, Olivier Vernon, but you know he's a good player. Um. Inside, um, they got the monster from the Jets, uh, Damon uh, Harrison, and Jonathan Hankins, who's been a disappointment, but it's a pretty good rundown player. The, the the Giants have gotten it done by a lot of ways, power like, and it, without the run game, it's it seems horrendous to say, but you know Janoris Jenkins at one corner is pretty good. How are the Steelers going to beat the Giants? It's going to be interesting. Is this? I think the Giants are a far better matchup and a far better team, and a far more difficult matchup for the Steelers than a lot of people do. This is one of the games that concerned me 
in your the Steelers running out thing. Um, I see the holes that you see. I see that, you know, if the Steelers can get the run game past the first level into the second level, you know, is Kelvin Shepard or a Devin Kennard or a Jonathan Casillas going to be able to get the job done? Are those guys going to be able to cover Bell, cover Ladarius Green, cover Jesse James in the passing game? I don't. I think that this is not going to be the old-school shootout that a lot of people believe it's going to be because I think the Steelers are going to really bring it to the Giants' offensive line, and that's when the Giants struggle to score points is whenever they can't dominate the line of scrimmage. You know, for the past month up to last week, Rashard Jennings was having a second coming, and the Giants' offense started scoring more and more points. You know, you if, if Jennings can't get established, Eli Manning can't get the play-action passing game established. If he can't get the, the, the running game and the play-action passing game established, Eli Manning's at a point of his career where on the fifth step, the five-step five drop, if it ain't there, it's going to the check down or it's going out of bounds. And, you know, Odell Beckham Jr. is a special player. You know it. I know it. Everybody that watches football knows it. Yeah, I mean, you, the thing is you can't always account for – well, I mean, you can. Teams have holes, but they have a couple of sure. superstars. They can figure out a way to win. That's the, been the Steelers' formula for several years, you know, in a way. Absolutely. So we, we, see it, we see it close to home, but, uh, you know, I don't think – do you think either Odell Beckham or Eli Manning are as big as stars as what the Steelers can provide in terms of playmakers? Um, I'd take Ben over Eli, and I would take E.B. over Odell Beckham Jr. still. And the reason that I would take A.B. over Odell Beckham Jr., which a lot of people wouldn't, and I can understand that, is I think that you can get an Odell Beckham Jr.'s head. I don't think you can get an A.B.'s head at this point. I think that Odell Beckham Jr. is still a little bit insecure with his abilities and his talents. I think that he was a guy that has had a fight for everything that he's got from college, that he had a fight for it. Because let's remember, the great wide receivers that have come out of LSU over the last five years. They've not had a success at LSU, but they've been some pretty good NFL players. And, you know, he had a fight for time there, and I think he still has a chip on his shoulder. I put Artie Burns on him, or I put Willie Gay on him, and I have him talk shit to him from the first first play of the game. And if you can, you know, get a pass defense or get a good pop on him or break up a ball, you can start the Odell Beckham Jr. breakdown. Josh Norman broke his ass down. He had him basically in tears on the sideline, and that's what I look to do. I mean, if, if, if a guy is that physically talented but mentally weak, you got to try to get in his head. Mike Mitchell, you know, Artie Burns. Bring some swag. Yeah, I think it's, you know, wouldn't this be a, the, one of those occasions where they, they put Artie Burns out there and, like, show us what he can do, kid? I mean, I have a feeling that, you know, it might be the time to sort of push the bird out of the nest a little bit. Sure. I mean, do I, do I have him, like, chase him around the field? I would. Because, oh, I don't want to see Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, <laughs> lined up against, oh, it's, it's, it's just a scary thought to see him out there. I really want Ross Cockrell gone. I, I think that right now that's the weak part of our defense. That is the weakest part of our defense. People <coughs> argue with me, and that's fine. That is, if I could change one position, it wouldn't be to bring Cam Hayward back. It would be to have another corner step up and take – the second corner off of Ross Cockrell and drop him down the fourth or fifth. My dream would be Justin Gil- Gilbert, the light came on, he developed. And that was who was starting opposite 
of Artie Burns because at least I, I understand that the, the, what Gilbert's shown on the field has not been great to date. You know, it was horrible in Cleveland. And, you know, he was not bad in Pittsburgh. You know, it's it's still a new defense. But the physical tools and the physical gifts, I just don't see them from Ross Cockrell. I, 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 he knows the defense. He knows what to do. He just physically can't do it at times. And that bothers me. That scares me, especially it's on the outside that, in today's NFL. Well, I mean, the thing is that you say that, but I, I would say probably he, one of his better the – last, the last couple of weeks he's actually, you know, been maybe two of his better weeks that he's had since he's been here. Not that I disagree with you. I, I still think that even when a player is playing well, you know, you have, that's when you have to be able to replace a pretty good player with a very good player to make a difference on your team sometimes. Sure. Um, but I don't, you know, I, I don't mind him too much as the number two. To me, it's a stretch to have him as your number one. I'd prefer like you to have him as your number four or in a certain matchup at three. Uh, but you know, like I, I think they can get away with it if, if they do things to create pass rush like they have the last couple of weeks. I think the problem they get into is asking a guy like Cockrell, who's not the most physical guy by a long shot, might be one of the least physical corners uh, in the league, but to ask him to, you know, to physically overpower guys uh, with no pass rush and, and stick with them for a long time is that's not really a winning formula. He's not a guy that's gonna doesn't have the makeup skills. Uh, to to get away with that, right? So, to me, I, I I'm okay with him, provided that you're going to do some things to to generate a little bit more pass rush. Um, I mean, at least for for this season, I'm not sure what to make of the Justin Gilbert thing. The fact that you know we don't see him at all, uh, I don't know if that means that uh, you know he's they only see him as outside and not in the slot, and therefore, um, you know they they want to roll with their two guys and let Burns make make his mistakes. I'm not sure, but uh, I'm with you. I think, you know, you, you get better. You really get better by upgrading guys who are not necessarily a problem, but who are not as strong as you need them to be. Um, so I'm with you. I'm with you in that respect. I mean, I, I, could, I could more easily see the Giants scoring some points against the Steelers than the Steelers being shut down by, the, by New York's defense. To me, you know, in a nutshell, that's, that's the game. The difference in the game is – uh, you know, if the if it goes well for the Giants, they can they can put up uh, you know th- three four scoring drives. If it doesn't go well for them, those those scoring drives might be uh, shorter, or they might not put up as many of them. You know, it's easy to see them. You know, maybe having some problems getting overpowered a little bit in the offensive line. The Steelers' offense in this game, uh, unless unless the Giants can stop the run without sac- making sacrifices in the pass game. Uh, like having to play man to man or something behind it, then I, I'm not sure how the, the the Giants' defense hangs with the Steelers. Right. I in, in looking at it from that side of the ball, I mean, there's three matchups. I think you know you have to look at outside. You know, Jason Pierre-Paul and Vernon against our tackles. If you eliminate those two things, you look and figure, well, what are the Giants going to do to cover Antonio Brown? I personally think that they have no choice but they're going to have to shadow him with Janoris Jenkins. Dominic Rogers Cromarty can't stay with him. He just, he's, he's got speed, but he's tall, he's angular, he's lanky. He would, like Rogers Cromarty would be a better matchup for a Martavius Bryant type of wide receiver than Antonio Brown. I think Jenkins, they're going to shadow AB with Janoris Jenkins. Second thing is, the second matchup I look at, and people are going to think I'm picking on a guy, is going to be 
Damon Harrison versus David DeCastro in the run game. Um, Harrison is just a massive man. And, uh, you know, DeCastro got to get some wins. He's going to definitely have to get wins in the run game. If he does get some wins and Pouncey gets to get to the second level, I think the Sewers may jam the ball down the fucking Giants' throat because I'm not really impressed with other elements. I mean, I'm not a big Jonathan Hankins fan. I think that, you know, Ramon, Ramon Foster can handle him without much of an issue. I'm not worried about Jason Pierre-Paul too much in the run game. Matter of fact, I'm not worried about him at all. And Olivier Vernon is injured, you know? So the only thing that, you know, Villanueva is going to have to do is hit him and turn his butt, and he'll be able to shield him away from the plays. It's that massive of a man, you know? From there, I think that our tight ends, our fullbacks, have wins against their linebackers, which brings their linebacker play. How are they going to count for Le'Veon Bell in the pass game? You know, um, there's no way Derek Kennard, or Devon Kennard, son of Derek Kennard, very different body types. Derek Kennard played guard for the Dallas Cowboys, and boy, was he a six foot three, three 380-pound man. His kid is a good player. There's, he can't play in space. He can play in space, but he can't play in space with a player like Le'Veon Bell, in my opinion. And that brings Kelvin Shepard, who their middle linebacker, who is good against the run, but he's really a liability in coverage, especially in space. In zones, he gets lost. I think the Steelers are going to have to come out with an aggressive game plan, which is to definitely to hang points, because I do fear the Giants a little bit. And, you know, I don't think that they're going to be able to run the ball. It's just if it turns into a shootout, you know, who's going to be the first one to blink? And, you know, I, I don't I – Todd Haley is going to try to slow the game down, and sometimes it's the worst thing to do. It's just keep on scoring, keep on putting up points, and – you know, don't worry about the family relationship. If you end up beating them by five or six touchdowns, you beat them by five or six touchdowns. Yeah, but, he, you know, you, you say that about him slowing down the game, but don't forget this is at home. You know, he seems to have a different mentality at home. Uh, and if, if we were I playing – Ben Audible's out a lot more at home, if you want me to tell you the truth. Yeah, because it's easier I, for him I, to do I really, I really think that a lot of times that – Haley's just so vanilla, and the the play seemed to come in a little bit quicker at home. Ben gets to look at the you know gets to the line of scrimmage with fourteen or fifteen seconds, and a lot of times he can take us out of the inside zone when we're facing the pump block. You know. Well, and also let's let's not lose sight of the fact he can use the snap count and variations in the snap count too at home, where you know even when they could because it's so quiet on the road. Uh, they don't, you know, they use silent count everywhere. Would you agree so, that Ben's a pretty streaky quarterback? Whenever he starts hot, he generally stays hot. Whenever he's cold, he generally sometimes struggles with accuracy. Would you agree with that? You know, sure. watching for the last 12 years? If you not know, the streak. Um, why, why don't we maybe yeah. get some winning throws out there for Ben, you know, early? You know, throw the bubble out there. Let, you know, let AB get to his hands on the ball. Let Sammy Coates get his hands on the ball. Let somebody get an easy catch. You let Ben get into a little bit of a rhythm. You know, um, I loved the idea where they involved, you know, fourth and fifth targets against the Colts, where they were willing to throw the ball to Roosevelt Knicks, where they were, you know, willing to throw the ball to David Johnson if he was active, or, you know, whatever, whoever the next guy up was. You know, yep. if, 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 if you want to double A.B., and that's, that, that's fine. You know, I, I, I agree, and I'm the one that points out that our second wide receiver is a big problem. 
But Ladarius Green and Jesse James and Le'Veon Bell and you know, there's a lot of guys that are that can make plays and I have a feeling that Kobe Hamilton is about to seize a job because Ben likes him and he seems to be a guy that really, really is willing to work hard. He took, you know, that you know, working at Costco for the last year pretty serious <laughs> and he got good hands and he seems to fight for the ball and that's a way to win, you know, hearts and minds, especially in Pittsburgh. Yeah. I th- actually, by the way, I don't know if I was alone in this, but I thought that the Steelers, uh, up by two scores, threw a couple of those deep balls to Sammy Coates because I think that was the intention was to get him involved more than because it was the right play to call at that time. And I, I felt don't like disagree. Uh, it's kind of kind of kind of forced him a little bit. Right. I mean, you gotta you gotta keep him active. I mean. How about this? We, we, I believe it was Barry Foster that talked about uh, Antonio Brown being a diva. Could you imagine A.B.'s reaction if he wasn't targeted one time in a game where you scored five touchdowns? That happened to Brandon Cooks this past week uh, for the New, uh, New Orleans Saints. He wasn't targeted a single time, and I believe the Saints put up 38 points. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, that, I would imagine that would be quite a meltdown. That would that would require a uh, a, a sequel to I don't walk past f- five rushing titles on the way to work. Yeah, right. uh, for sure, <laughs> at minimum. Um, at any rate, hey, I just want to talk a little bit about that 2012 game. So uh, just just to remind you a little bit uh, how different, how much the NFL changes. Uh, you know, this, they they rotate every four years. They play the the entirety of the NFC, uh, and so it was not 2012. In week eight, uh, Isaac Redman was the starting running back for the Steelers. Seems like a lifetime ago. And actually, he played really well. He had not only over 100 yards, he had nearly 100 yards in the first half uh, and, and actually tore big gashes in the Giants' defense at, at that time. Uh, a guy named Bobby Rainey, before he, he got arrested, uh, was uh, a factor on kick returns. I, I forgot, actually, how good Bobby Rainey was on kick returns. Chris uh, Rainey. Bobby Rainey still plays in the NFL. Oh, sorry, Bobby Rainey. Rainey's the other. Yeah, sorry, he's yeah. the other one. Chris Rainey. Correct. Uh, yes. Yeah, Chris Rainey had, uh, had, I think, three long kickoff returns in the game. It was pretty good. We also had a long punt return and a touchdown pass caught by Emmanuel Sanders, another guy that's gone. And it might have been the best game uh, in the short NFL career of Keenan Lewis. Uh, he was terrific in the game. Got a couple of bullshit pa- pass interference penalties that even the illustrious Phil Nance uh, had to agree were not very good calls. Uh, it was just one of those nights where it was after Superstorm Sandy, Sandy and it looked, it felt like the Giants got so many homer calls in that game. And uh, despite all that, the Steelers were able to uh, kind of drive it down their throat at the end and win the game. Anyway, that was the 2012 version of the game. But the thing that really stood out to me was, you know, the difference in terms of what we're doing offensively, what our offensive line is like. That The offensive line of that era was so inferior to what we're trotting out now. Um, and that is, you know, that comes from a guy who's, who was a Max Starks fan, but at that point, 2012, Max Starks weighed like 400 pounds. Uh, and you know, Willie Colon was starting at the other tackle position. I think Doug Ligurski started at guard. Um, that's kind of all you need to know about that team. <laughs> I mean, you know, the difference in the difference in offensive line play was like night and day, and the difference between having a guy like Le'Veon Bell and and Antonio Brown who got hurt in the first quarter, um, you know, obviously 
it feels like this team, people, people want to say there hasn't really been that much progress since 2012, but it kind of feels like this team looks better on both sides of the ball, defense and offense than they did in 2012. And, you know, that's what they're supposed to do when they rebuild. It may, it may not have gone according to plan, but uh, I feel like they are better than they were then. And to be fair, you know, a lot of teams in the NFL are better in some way. I mean, quarterback play in general is better around the NFL and so on. Uh, but it, it, it felt like progress. Watching that did not make me long for the 2012-era Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, for sure. And, and Todd Haley, you know, was, was so obsessed with running the football that he, you know, he, he beat the horse to death instead of parlaying that into uh, play action and, you know, this kind of thing. So at least it feels like we have some occasional steps forward with our two steps back. Uh, so, again, I can't complain too much about the progress of the team having watched that. It was a very eye-opening kind of thing. Uh, at any rate, let's uh, just quickly move to our illustrious picks and or around the league segment. Um, we talked a little bit earlier about – oh, by the way, brought to you by – Buddy Ryan, um, the Matt Carpenter's wife. Uh, Dean Blandino and uh, Pat Narduzzi, who basically told the ACC yesterday to go fuck themselves whenever they asked him if he was going to take another coaching job, which made me very proud. <laughs> Good for him. Um, Good for him is by right. The, by the way, in, in lieu of talking about necessarily anything around the NFL, did you have to catch the, uh, the last Pitt game, Pitt-Syracuse? Oh my God! Defense was. I thought I went. I, I, I did not catch the whole game. I'm not going to fib. I got pulled out at the end of the middle of the third quarter when I came back home and I seen it was seventy to sixty five. I was like, Wow, Pitt and Syracuse played in basketball today too. <laughs> you know, it was like that type of thing. So no, I didn't see the entire game. Um, I did watch a good bit of it. Um, I expected Pitt to win. I did not expect seventy two points. The great stat of the week was that how, how many years it was since Pitt basketball put up that many points against Syracuse basketball. It, it was something like six years or something. So that two three zone uh, with Jim Beheim, baby, that was not easy to beat. Yeah, Let's well, how, how about that conversation? Guy. Yeah, yeah, can't really complain. We seem to every once in a while we're we're like a stopped clock, you know. Around here, uh, any anything on the on the schedule this week? Uh, week your uh, your interest at all? Oh, your curiosity? Minnesota beats Dallas tonight, even without my boys Zim, who had to have a emergency surgery. I actually have a good feeling. I have a feeling that Minnesota is going to beat Dallas tonight. Might be calling my book. Yeah. That's right up there with my with my Tampa Bay uh, Seattle thing, but yeah, that's Seattle. Short. We... No, no, that was legendary. To be honest with you, that was unbelievable, legendary. <laughs> legendary. I was sitting there watching the game, and I was like, oh, about twenty seven minutes tops, and that's the amount of time before I heard about the pick. <laughs> In my mind, I was like, yeah. I was like, holy shit! I was like, I, I, I wish Will gambled because he could have made himself some money today with this. <laughs> Uh, at least against you, but uh, that's a really I, probably against uh, a lot of people, man. I mean, I, if I remember right, I think Seattle was a five and a half point favorite. You know, something and, like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, it's a, it's funny. Uh, and now also looking at the schedule this week, 
it's not a real big uh, – I mean, really, the, the Pittsburgh of the Giants probably – you know, Dallas, Minnesota, and Pittsburgh of the Giants, kind of the premium matchups uh, of the weekend. So Right. There's, we, there's, there's some that, that are interesting. You know what I mean? When I say interesting, I think that Miami and Baltimore could turn out to be an interesting game, even if it wasn't, you know, like for Steeler purposes, because Miami doesn't have as good of an offensive line as Baltimore. I will say that. But Miami's going to attempt to run the ball, and they're going to have an attitude, and Baltimore's at home. This is the type of game that Baltimore really can't afford to lose. I could see them losing. Green Bay at Houston. You know, I figure Rodgers is going to play. But another interesting game. Just the reason I find it to be interesting is how bad Brock Osweiler is. And Mm. I think that Green Bay could go to local high school teams and maybe find a few serviceable defensive backs (laughs) at this point. Well, here's the thing. Um, Can you believe they can you believe that the Broncos played Osweiler over Simeon last year? Yeah, I mean, New Orleans Simeon... versus Detroit is, I believe, also this week. I'm just looking, just trying to remember things that I bet. Um, I don't really. Here's the thing. Really... Yeah. <laughs> yep, it's going to be like the Pitt Syracuse game. Yeah. Uh, and then you watch; they'll go out and play nine six. Um, yep. I think New Orleans had a game this year where they didn't score a touchdown in the first half that they won. They ended up having a big second half, if I'm not mistaken, a few weeks ago. So, uh, um, you know, if somebody was I, looking I, for an upset, or for uh, if you're since the Steelers play in the four o'clock window, what I wouldn't be surprised if you had asked me in the one o'clock window the two best games to, to watch, and I don't mean necessarily that are going to be high scoring but competitive, would be Kansas City versus Atlanta. It's going to be a very interesting game, and probably that Miami Baltimore game. Yeah, it's a, I, I agree. I don't know about Miami Baltimore being an interesting game to watch, but it could be a close game. How about that? What I'm saying is, if if you like old school football, I, I, that's the type of game where I can see Miami attempting to run the ball 35 to 40 times a game. Baltimore getting away from their identity, which should be the, to, to to run Terrence West behind a pretty good offensive line, which they refuse to do. Joe Flacco going into half new O'Donnell, half Mike Tomzak mode where, you know, he has 32 pass attempts for 194 yards. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that type of game where it's just like both offenses are, are bad. The defenses are playing hard. And you, you, the result is like a 17-13 nail-biter. Sure. No, I buy that. I don't always uh, like football to be basketball and grass. I, I mean, I understand that watching a 72-65 game can be real exciting, but I can also find a 10-6 game where if it's just like a complete outright body bag game to be just as exciting. Yeah, I'm with you. I like the old school football. I'm down. Uh, all right, so I guess that does it for our illustrious uh, look around the NFL pick segment, talk about uh, basketball on grass segment. Uh, and uh, it's time to talk about your five-star matchup because we're in it. Uh, this week, we, we play the Cousins from New York City, your New York Giants. Uh, I'll go first this week. Um, I, uh, you know, I already told you pretty much my feelings in this game. The one thing I want to add was, you know, it's, a, it's another sort of legacy game for Ben. I think Ben is a, is a guy who is competitive about things that you don't necessarily uh, see on first glance. And I do think that you know, Eli is a guy that came out in the same year, drafted ahead of him, uh, has won two Super Bowls, just as many as Ben. Uh, and 
probably get. Yeah, he's thrown for more yards. He's also thrown 209 interceptions. He's his next interception. He will tie Terry Bradshaw. He's you know like tenth in all time in NFL history in interceptions, um, which Ben may never reach that number. Uh, I, I expect Ben to retire without catching Terry Bradshaw in in interceptions, um, because you know the the pace of the last couple of years has really just pretty much fallen off a cliff um, compared to his er, earlier days. Um, but at any rate, long story short, I I think Ben. Uh, always plays up for these quarterback matchups against the guys who are supposed to be either his peers or uh, better than him, uh, and especially at home, and especially at a point of the season where, you know, he's already told the team, you know, follow me and, and I'll take you there and so on and so forth. And, you know, it just feels like one of those games where uh, we'll we'll get good Ben. And if we get good Ben, we're putting up 30 on this team. Um, I, I'm going to say 33-20 Steelers. As my pick for the score, um, I, I I will be shocked if the Steelers don't put up 30 in this game. I guess if I'm wrong in this game, it could be that the Giants score fewer than 20. Um, but I'll I'll go with 33-20 and a, you know, and maybe even grant the Giants the ball down 13 uh, with the chance to score a touchdown and make it interesting near the end. Um, but I, I kind of feel like. Uh, we're going to overwhelm them in the early part of the game. It's going to play out more similarly to the way the Kansas City did. Um, just, you know, the Giants have, don't have the defense Kansas City had. Uh, they have a little bit better quarterback than Kansas City has. But I'm not sure the Giants are a better team than Kansas City. And when the Steelers are playing at home and they have a little momentum going like they do right now, I expect them to win this game 33-20. You, sir. Um, I will take the Steelers 36 36- 27 Steelers with four touchdowns, two two-point conversions, and two field goals to get to the magic number of 36 kids. And uh, I, the, pretty much I expect that uh, the Steelers are going to actually maybe put their foot on the pedal a little bit more than they have the last week or two. Um, I think that, uh, this, the, that the Giants are going to attempt to take A.B. away with Janoris Jenkins just you know, follow them all over the field. And I think Ben is probably going to pick them apart. He's going to do his best Tom Brady impersonation where, you know, he throws to eight, nine different receivers. Um, I won't be surprised if the Giants limit two of the three Steelers, big three. Um, I won't be shocked if Le'Veon Bell does not have 100 yards rushing. Um, He may have 150 yards receiving. Um, And that won't be necessarily off the classic screen passes. Um, this may be a week for Ladarius Green or Kobe Hamilton. Um, the Giants linebacker play is iffy. Um, I don't, Mark Barron scared, or there we go. Yeah, Mark Barron. Um, I knew I was going (laughs) to do it. Yeah, exactly. Um, the Giants safety play, we'll go with with that. Um, Concerns me a little bit. Um, Dominic Rogers Camardi is a good player. He is not the player he once was with the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Norris Jenkins is a good athletic guy, but, you know, AB's AB. And I've yet to see, you know, a corner just completely shut him down. I mean, the Steelers' offense has shut him down, and Ben being injured shut him down. But, you know, AB generally gets his. Um, I just think that the guys around him may be more of an impact than 
has been expected recently. And defensively, um, I think the Steelers' front seven makes enough plays. Um, and I'm interested to see what happens with uh, with Odell Beckham Jr. outside because Mike Mitchell and Artie Burns and Willie Gay, they, they're exuberant young men, and they tend to talk some smack. And that could either blow up in their face or they can take Odell Beckham Jr. out of his game. And it's a 50-50 proposition. And with me truly believing it's a 50-50 proposition, that tells Odell Beckham Jr. that he got to change something. He got to either get some thicker skin or listen to a little bit less bullshit because he's a special talent, as special a talent as you're going to find for a receiver under six foot two in this NFL, in the NFL, and that includes Antonio Brown. I think the most special two wide receivers in the NFL, if you had me take two, would be a healthy Julio Jones. And after watching Mike Evans this year, I have just so much respect for his game. But, you know, um, Antonio Brown and Odell Beckham Jr. are the king of the under six foot wide receivers. And Odell Beckham Jr. can't let someone's mouth take him out of his game. And I think that it will to a point. So I like the Steelers, and I like the Steelers uh, to win. It's, it's the, I don't think the game is going to be as close as the score that I called out. I could see the Giants putting up 10, maybe 14 meaningless points in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I think we're, we're together. I just, you know, that home game for the Steelers has been pretty good to them this year, and uh, they oh, seem to be playing seem to be playing better now than they have for some time. That's why I say also, even giving up the home. I mean, here's the thing, you know, how many points did they give up to New England at home uh, I, I, in, without Ben playing quarterback to take up, uh, you know, the slack on that end I of things? So three out of five Ben's biggest regular season performance came in the four o'clock window, too. Ben seems to like to work at four. Yeah, well, let's, let us hope we get another one of those 500-yard uh, – well, you know, he had nearly the perfect passer rating last week, so maybe we'll get uh, 500 yards this week and maybe we'll get – Six touchdowns next week, right? Shit, I gamble. <laughs> I play fantasy football. You know, so like if Ben can put up the 505 touchdowns, trust me, I ain't complaining. Yeah, and he'd have to do one of those in Buffalo in the wintertime. So, you know, I guess it won't actually be winter by the time they play there. It'll still be fall. But anyway, in December. Um, hey, listen, man, I've already, uh, I've already talked people off the ledge uh, with some platitudes. So uh, I'll just say – uh, you know, watch out for my B2B or uh, will tie. I hate it when the the B2B divisional guys are, are playing well for the other team because, I, you know, I have to feel bad whenever they're successful. Because normally I look at them and I think, yeah, that's a guy. You don't have that, to feel yeah. bad. You can just get with, I fucking told you so. Works a lot better than I feel bad. All right, right on. I'll, I'll try that for next week. And your final words, sir? Um, let's see. Um, everybody, just be safe and just remember – that it's a game, and if the Steelers lose, um, they fucking suck, and they should fire Tomlin. <laughs> <laughs> you just made a lot of fans, my friend. <laughs> I know. Uh, all right, on that note, um, he is my cohort. He is FC. He is here with us, and he's a curmudgeon. Uh, I am Bradshaw to Ben on behalf of SteelerFury.com, uh, and our guests, uh, Greek Steel and Barry Foster. Barry Foster. It wasn't a really big roster. Um, <laughs> thank right you for tuning in, and let's come talk next week after 
uh, an even longer Steelers winning streak and a big Steelers victory. Go Steelers. Go Steelers. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.